Cool Button Hockey Podcast is back underway, episode 42 for your listening pleasure. I'm Steve Coolius. That is Mr. Craig Button. And Craig, can you lose but still win? Was that a good Euler loss in a great third period? Do you believe in moral victories? If not for a goalpost to go into overtime, do you buy that? Or is that just something losers say when the game is over? Uh, what I would say is, is that when you watch that game and not just the third period, how about the first period? They played an excellent first period. They fell behind one, nothing. Um, David ties it up one, one. And then the goal that Mike Smith gives up at the end of the first period, it's the definition of horrific goaltending. You know, Scotty Bowman used to call like poor goaltend, junior B goaltend. So that's junior B goaltend. So all I know is this, you can talk about, uh, are there moral victories? Their goaltending continues to kill their morale. You know what the players are thinking when they go into the room after that goal goes in? They're going, really? Really? Are you kidding me? Like, we're playing that well and you give up that goal? So here's what it means, Steve. So you, you, you're the numbers guy when it comes to, to goals scored in the NHL. So the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're going to get three on their own. They're going to get three on their own just because they're so talented, right? So now you give up that, and basically you're going, okay, so they're going to get three on their own. Let's just say our goaltender stands on his head, and he only gives up two now. You still need four to win. The goaltending is, is a massive problem in, in, in Edmonton. That team played so well last night, and their goaltending continues to think, if I'm Ken Holland, no, 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 no. If I'm not Ken Holland, I'd like to know what the hell Ken Holland's thinking about. Because I'm hearing every excuse for Ken Holland not making a trade. Every single excuse. Oh, they're not built to win. Oh, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. So what? So get a goalie for next year. Get a goalie this year. What, you can't get a goalie? Dwayne Rolison was had in 2006. They went to game seven of the Stanley Cup final. He's dithered. And he's hurting his team. He's killing his team. There's no moral victories. They played well. They played very well this year for a lot of stretches. Goaltending is submarine in this team. And I say that, and here they are. Look at where they are in the standings. That's a team that's capable, and the goaltending isn't. And if I'm McDavid and Dreisaitl, and, I mean, Evander Kane fell into his lap, and he made the move because he saw an opportunity. So he pounced, and he got a top six player. And then Hyman returned and Ryan Nugent Hopkins goes down to third line center. They do have some talent on the blue line in their own system. And we're kind of seeing that I would have moved off probably both guys. If I could have, you inherited one and one is older. I see so many teams that have three and four goalies in the system that they believe in. And Stuart Skinner isn't ready right now. There's players are out there and we've talked about Varlamov and we've talked uh, like even for me, Thomas Grice could is he better? Yes. Okay. So I, I made a kind of goalie list, and I and I looked the, the other night when he played great, and I thought, okay, thirty six and everything. It's not going to cost you a lot. I'd rather try with a Hudobin or a Grice or you name one of those guys and fail. Not Hudobin, sorry, not okay. Hudobin. Well, I just he, he was on my list, right? So don't throw don't throw all bad goalies that are that are that are just as bad as what they have. So you think that my Grice example, you would have said, okay, I would have gone. Yes, Grice. I said yes. I said yes. Varlamov. Listen, last year in the expansion draft. The Edmonton Oilers, Ken Holland had an opportunity. They had an opportunity that doesn't usually come along. They had an opportunity to go get a young goalie. 
Vitek they could have got Kakinen. They could have got Kakinen from Minnesota. They could have got Vanacek from uh, from Washington because those guys were all they were available. All you do is go make a deal with the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. Yep. All you do is go make a deal with the Seattle Kraken. Okay. All I hear, oh, the price is so high. Oh, you're not going to pay the price. Well, the price you pay for missing the playoffs and continuously putting your players through this goaltending pit. Well, what's the price of that? Ken Holland has failed in the goaltending department with the Edmonton Oilers. There's no other way to put it. And now he's dithering. So if they do not add a goalie, even if they make the playoffs, has he wasted a season and wasted another 97 year? Well, any year, uh, uh, you, you can talk about it if. Like, you're watching your team, okay? You're watching your team, Steve. Like, why does it, like, it's not about waste. A a manager's job is to maximize the potential of his team this year. So I ask you the question, is Ken Holland maximizing the potential of his team this year, regardless of whatever that potential is? No. It's an unequivocal no. He's failed the team. Will he add a goalie between, will he stop dithering and add a goalie between this second conversation me and you are having and the 21st of March? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I hear a lot of people out there, a lot of people in the media giving every reason why he can't trade for a goaltender. What's Ken going to do? You know what? Here's what I would say. Your actions will speak more loudly than any words you say. And I'm not buying any excuses. So this is an interesting topic, as is what's going on in Nashville. Outdoor game, Pecorine, honored. Huge win in Florida. Tanner Janot, what a shorthanded goal. Oh. And the <clears throat> and the reports of Philip Forsberg being available. How, how do the Preds move forward without Philip Forsberg trying to make the playoffs? Is this like Ken Holland not solving his goalie? issue can the preds not sign forsberg can they spin on a trade acquire somebody to be the next forsberg what are they going to do offer him up for william nylander and say hey forsberg's better let's make a deal i don't understand when your best or at least second best let's say yosti forsberg i want them on my team i don't want to lose them you've been in that chair david poyle's been in the chair for decades how do you at 27 turning 28, not sign and keep Forsberg moving forward. Unless you don't believe in Forsberg. Well, that would be one reason, right? But uh, I, I don't know what give you reason not to believe in him. I, I, I mean, here's, here, here's, the, here's the quandary for David Poyle. This is a salary cap issue, you know, okay? And it, it's a salary cap issue. People always say, well, they got a salary cap issue. And I always say, well, who put them in the salary cap issue? <laughs> the like, manager usually yeah exactly right so so don't tell me you got a salary cap issue when you're the one who created the problem right like you know what like you know like at, at, at the end of it all and and like what's the market for peter for, for philip forsberg what's the market think about the market he's, he's a pending unrestricted free agent he he has control over where he goes so what type of market do you have for philip forsberg ah first round draft pick and a b prospect to, to a good team. That's basically what you're getting, right? And you probably got to take a contract back for the rest of the year, okay? Well, no big deal. But that's all you're getting. And, and it's good teams that want Philip Forsberg. So ostensibly, you know what I think about first-round picks? I think 21 to 45 is all a first-round pick. 
So you're getting you're getting a second round pick if you want to call it a second or a first round pick if you go by my definition. All, all I know is it's a later first round pick that's going to help you in three years or, or so and a B prospect. That's what you're getting for Philip Forsberg. You know what I would be more pre- prepared to do? I'd, I'd, I'd just go down the path and say, you know what, we're going to try to sign you, but I'm not worried. Like to me, your team is there. Your team is in the hunt, right? You trade Philip Forsberg and you, you, you're not, and you're just saying, well, I needed to get something back. I don't want to hear about the Ryan Suter garbage. I thought what David Poyle did hanging on to Ryan Suter was smart. Okay. Like you're going to lose players in free agency unless he can get something really significant back for Philip Forsberg. If he doesn't want to sign him, I'm keeping him to the end of the year. Then we'll see. You want to walk at the end of the year, Phil? But what did I just say about maximizing the potential of your team this year? Well, you will by keeping them. But are they really going to – so they get in and they're fourth. They're, they're going to beat Colorado and then Minnesota and then Vegas? So what? So what? You maximize the potential. If your team is capable of making the playoffs and you maximize that potential and you go into the playoffs, you know, again, how many teams do we see? The Montreal Canadiens went to the final last year. You know, Minnesota Wild took uh, took a team to yeah, took Vegas to Game Seven, which helps Billy Garen go. I got a team here. Well, look at all the things that could potentially help you by being in the playoffs. Evaluation of your players, understanding, hey, this is what I got to do. This is this is the belief I have in my group. You you you're picking the part about oh they just lose. There's only 16 teams to make the playoffs. That's but not a bad thing. Can we have our cake and eat it too with Philip Forsberg? Have, have you crunched all those numbers? You say, don't, don't whine to me about the salary cap. Make it work. Get a goalie for the Oilers. Can't we, we, we're playing the Nashville Predators role right now. Can't we keep Forsberg, make the playoffs, try to go on a run, and then keep him in the offseason by being creative? Or does it not work with Yossi, 92, 95, and Forsberg? Does it really just come down to that? And one of those, and it's not going to be Yossi, has got to go. And where's the market for Duchesne and, and Ryan Johansson? So he put himself in that spot. Like I, you, you, you plan your whole life to, to get elite players on your team and to win with elite players and good players and good people and, and have special runs. And then you got a guy and then you're going to lose a guy after making the playoffs, let's say this year, because, uh Oh, we're at 82.5 and we can't make it work. It's, that's the business, though. Those are decisions. All I'm saying is, don't don't put your team in peril by trading Philip Forsberg for a for a late first round draft pick and a B prospect. Well, would you trade it. him for? Would you trade him for a player that's 20 now and can play right? I'm just making up a name. Yeah, yeah, like, sure like you new, would. Like a but new just, hooker, you, Mason McTavish. But you're not getting that player. You're not getting that player. You know, you know when uh, when uh, when uh, when he traded Martin Erat for Philip Forsberg. You know what? That was a pretty good trade. <laughs> right? okay. But I don't think I, I don't think there's any deals like that out there. Teams aren't trading their good young players, especially with the cap constriction. You need young players on entry level contracts. So I, I, I'll worry about Philip Forsberg like at some point in time. I'm not trade. I'm telling you what I would do. I'm yeah. not trading Philip Forsberg to get a f- late first round draft pick in a B prospect. I'm not doing it to be able to say, well, at least I got something for him. You know what? Yeah. I, I I lose more by, by trading him for that. And I hurt my team more than I do by tr- trading him. That's how I feel. Well, the insiders say that he is on the market right now. I would trade him if I got that young player that I wanted, you know, the, the, the Bo Byron, so, well, I, I, yeah. I allow for a young player, 
not yeah. a first round pick and a, and, and a B prospect. So then what is Dallas going to do with Pavelski and Klingberg? They're kind of in the same situation, but a little bit worse than Nashville because they're chasing Nashville. They beat Winnipeg. And I know you're down on the Jets like I am too. I went on Winnipeg Radio a couple of weeks ago and I just uh, I just poo-pooed the whole thing. And now I know why Paul Maurice kind of walked away. So Dallas with Klingberg and Pavelski, that's similar then to Forsberg for you. So you're just going to ride this out and figure it out in the offseason. Your old team. I, 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 I didn't say figure it out, right? Like, I mean, the Dallas Stars are in a very different spot, I think, than the Nashville Predators. I, I think the Nashville Predators are a better team. Ironically, they play one another on this Thursday night, right? So it's, you, you know, but didn't the Dallas Stars go to the Stanley Cup final a few years ago? Yeah, yeah. So, it okay, was. good. Go, go, like, you know, your team's fighting for a playoff spot, right? Go, go get that first round pick. It'll help you in uh, three, four years time. And, uh, you know, get that B prospect and you can all talk about it. I mean, I'm reading about uh, players that get acquired and I'm going, have, have these teams even watch these players? They, they described them in, in ways that, I, and I've watched these players for a long time. I go, like, have, have you not watched? Which or, or are you just living in a fantasy world? Which players? Players that get traded. Nick Ritchie. Did you read what the Arizona County said about Nick Ritchie? No, I, I, I well, did because I have a feeling it's going to be a lot better than what the Bruins thought when they let him go, what the Leafs thought when they made the mistake. Nick Ritchie, since he was 14, is what he is. He is what he is. What you see is what you get. There's nothing changing. So you can you can put on the rose-colored glasses. That's what I'm talking about. You know, always oh, this. No, he isn't. He is what he is. So you want to go get a B prospect and go ahead. But 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 teams want to spin it. Oh, this guy's this this it. Just you know what? Mike Medano told me many years ago, we, were, we yep. were talking about draft picks. He goes, Craig, why don't we just say that we're really excited about it, but why do we have to say he'd be a 30-goal scorer? He goes, maybe he doesn't score 30. Now somehow he thinks he's failed, right? We get excited when we hear about a 30-goal scorer. Just say we think he's good. we got a good player, and we're, and we're going to work with him and help him develop. And That's all we did from that point on. We didn't put expectations or unrealistic picture on the player. Oh, we think he can progress to a top pair defenseman. What? What? Well, that's what makes the first round at times so comical because everyone can't believe their guy was available. Everyone thinks it's good. And I think it'd be great for a manager once to say, listen, it's up to the kid now. You know, we're, we'll, we'll work with him and do whatever we can. But the odds are, don't forget, uh, 74.3 of all first round picks don't turn out to be stars in the NHL or play 200 games. So really, uh, you know, but nobody, because at the moment, everything's great. And then we see the picks and I see certain guys that are fourth liners now who were a first round pick and everyone talked about how great it was going to be. And that's the thing about playing the, the draft game that if you're going to get a first round pick, in your category, like you're talking 25 to 46, you said, is different from getting the top fives, you know, and nobody's giving you a top five because the team that has the top five isn't good enough to want Forsberg to help them down the stretch or Klingberg or who else we're talking about, Joe Pavelski. So if I'm Pavelski and I'm a veteran guy and we're eight out or 10 out on March 20th, do I initiate with Jim Nill? Would you, how is that game played? Or do you basically think that these managers are taking these guys off the market until the team dictates trade or stay and kind of ride the wave out? Because it's, you have D-Day and that's what D-Day is all about. Well, you're right. And part, part of it too, Steve, is, is it, it, there's other pressures, 
Oh, okay. Like I, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the pressure. Oh, we better get something for him. I'm not dismissing that a first round draft pick in three years time is, is nothing. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what does it do to your team now? Right? Like, you know, and, and again, I, I, I hear all the excuses. Oh, you have to trade a guy. No, you don't. I'm not telling you not to consider it. I'm not telling you not to listen to it to see what potentially could get out there. Because if, if David Poyle wasn't listening about trading Martin Erat, he, he wouldn't have got Philip Forsberg, right? I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I'm trying to lay out a scenario that says, you know, if, if you're the National Predators, you got a pretty good team there that plays hard, that's ha- had a pretty good season, you know, okay, great, trade Philip Forsberg for, I, I don't know where that's going to put you. I, and I, I'm not saying put off, but like you have an expiring contract. He's not, he's not getting you any cap space right now. Like Klingberg's not getting you any cap space right now. Pavelski's not getting you cap space. I mean, the short-term cap space and dollars saved, right? But like they have expiring contracts. So I got, I got the cap space now. What am I going to get? You know, I'm not so sure that if you keep Philip Forsberg, that you can't do one of those deals to let a team talk to him you know, that wants to sign him in the, like, you know, when the season ends and, and get a second round draft pick, which I think, you know, 21 to 45 might be the same. And Steve, if you get a regular player out of the, out of the first round of the NHL draft, you're doing really, really well. A regular player, a regular player. I worked for NBC on the draft for years. Dan Steer, who was a senior vice president. You know what he used to do? He goes, I don't want to hear how great all these players are. They aren't. There might be one or two in a draft, one or two. Don't stand up there and tell me this guy's great and everything. I loved it because it's exactly my mindset. You don't know. You're not telling some people that the player isn't good. You're telling them what he is. It's an easy decision. It really is. If they're 15 points out, because then they'll trade Forsberg and they'll trade Pavelski and they'll trade Klingberg. If they're in it, they're renting their own guy and, you know, three home playoff dates in a two-year COVID era is important. I So I do understand that part. It's it's in the tough decision of where they are when it's really, really close and do they want to rent their own guys. And I see all the sides of the coin, or as you say, both sides of the pancake. I, I err on the side of how close we are to winning, like the big prize, and then probably would move the guys. Well, then if everybody I, should trade. Then everybody should trade their players because there's so few teams that are close to winning based on your definition. And so trade, then, then 28 teams should be trading players. Well, well, hang on. How many teams are close to winning? Well, I have at the top, Florida, Colorado, and Tampa Bay. Then you have your next tier. So I, I'm just jumping on your, your definition. So Mine's, you know mine's a little thicker than that. Okay, yeah, but- so how many teams? Seven? You got eight? Okay, yeah. so 24 teams should all be trading. Yes. All, the trade yes. list should all be populated. Well, yeah. I'm not buying that because there's <laughs> different things. And, and here's what I would say. So you're right, Steve. You're exactly right. But here's what a manager has to do. Yep. He's got to put his chips one place or another. He's got to bet on his team or bet on his future. Okay? He's got to understand where he's at. And we'll determine if he wins the bet or he loses the bet when it's all said and done. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the National Hockey League, brought to you by our very good friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. Craig, 
And I don't know if you play golf and you say, that's a gimme, pick it up. I'm going to give you a few gimmies here. Gimme, 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 gimme. Remember when we were kids? Um, go ahead, had your wallet because there's some gimmies Thursday. Oh, I'm going, you know where I'm going? I'm going right to Vancouver because I think that's a gimme. I, th I think the Calgary Flames are making it 11 in a row. And, you know, I don't care what the Vancouver Canucks did against uh, anybody else previously. The, the Flames are better goal, are better defensively, more speed. They're just going to overwhelm the Canucks. So that, that's my one gimme. So that might come as a surprise. Somebody would say, why wouldn't you take the Bruins over the crack? And that's another gimme, but I'm not taking them. You know the other place I'm going to take a gimme? Where do you think I'm going? Come on. I don't know. Nashville over Dallas. Dallas played last night, squeaked one out in overtime against the Winnipeg Jets, who are done. Finito over, not going to make the playoffs. Stop dreaming. But Nashville sitting at home waiting for the stars. Ooh, I'm going Nashville at home, Calgary on the road. And David Riddick, big victory over Florida. So Saros will be all ready for this one, I'm assuming. So that's a smart bet. I'm going to take, just for fun, Vancouver to end the streak. Vancouver beats Calgary. The streak is over. And Bruce Boudreaux watches the show. And I like him. So that's why I'm betting him, <laughs> Vancouver. And I'm going to take also. So you're betting with your heart, yes. not with your mind. Okay, yes. I like that. <laughs> I tweeted a picture of a frog hugging a frog. That's the kind of person I am. I would put my arm around you if it was raining. Bet on Bruce. And if you want to bet, check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada's Canada Sportsbook. Nice. At press time again, the countdown to the deadline is on, and it's fun talking about trades. And we did that because of the sexiness of Pecorine and Nashville and Dallas, but those teams are in tier three. Let's say <laughs> if we've got three tiers of the real contenders, the tier twos, and then moving on down the list. I said on the show last week, I think in the East, there might be three tiers. Tier three would have Boston and Washington. Tier one, for sure, Tampa. Probably Carolina and Florida. And then maybe Pittsburgh, Toronto, and the Rangers are kind of in, in, in a tier two. As it relates to wheeling and dealing, have you been in a spot where you're chasing? Like Dallas in 99, you liked your team, you didn't move. You ended up winning and people were chasing you even when trades were made. You talked about Clark and toughness around the league. So if you're in the Pittsburgh Rangers, Toronto tier, are you chasing and going all in with your chips because you have to, I could see the penguins maybe being there with an older team. The Leafs are pot committed like this, like what another first round pick for Ben Sherratt? Go ahead. Look at the board. First round pick here, Sherrod. Could we get Klingberg? Sherrod, JT. Like, they got to do something. The Rangers maybe, maybe ahead of schedule. The Penguins are, they're not aging out just yet. Is that a fair analogy of the managers looking at their own situation and making moves? Who would you rather be of the three? Pittsburgh, Rangers, Toronto. Ah, oh, geez. Well, didn't we have this conversation earlier in the year about, about the Rangers and the, and, and, but it's and changed the, now. I, it's changed I, now. I, I, I know it has, I know it has, but you know, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs 
are, are, are a good team, right? And obviously, you know, we, we, we know the history of not winning in the first round and, and now it's get out of the first round or bust, right? Like, you know, like, and, 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 and I get it. And, and those are the pressures that a team puts on itself and, and everything that goes with it. So I'm going to, I'm going to preface my answer with this. The five best Toronto Maple Leafs in my view, I'm going to take Rodi and Amir off out of this right now, just to, out of respect to his condition, you know, being diagnosed with brain cancer. And, but there are five first round, the five prospects, top five prospects, Rodi and out of it, right? We're not drafted in the first round. <laughs> and they have some really good ones. Right. Kopi Nimala, Matthew Nyes, Nick Robertson, Ronnie Hervinen. They got some really, they got some really good, pro- Nick, Nick Abruzzese. They got some really good prospects. So, Again, I'm going to go. So the Toronto Maple Leafs, their pick is going to be somewhere, I don't know, 24 to 32, somewhere in there. Yeah. Right? Okay, good. Like gone. <laughs> gone. Right. It's a second round pick. It's gone. If I can improve my team right now, it's gone. Because I also know I, if I'm the Vancouver Canucks, like I'm not trading a first round draft pick. My prospect pool's thin, right? I need cap space, right? I'm not doing it if I'm the Vancouver Canucks. But the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a very different spot. As you point out about the Pittsburgh Penguins, very different spot. A team that, like, their prospect pool isn't deep, you know, but but because of where they're at and because of the players they have, first-round draft pick, gone. <laughs> like, it's gone. <laughs> like, let's, let's be serious here. The Rangers are so intriguing because they have some young players. They, they, they have a good group of players. They have a great goaltender. You know, what can they add? I think, Steve, you and me have talked about this. I think my eyes are on the New York Rangers in the East and the LA Kings in the West, because they have cap space. They have, they, they have real prospect currency. And it's really interesting. I'm really interested to see LA. Like, like I would push if I'm LA, I think making the playoffs and pushing ahead is really important for them because of their market and, and where they're at. And then you have the New York Rangers, you know, I, how far could they go? I, I, I'm not sure, but, but I like their team. And if I'm Chris Drury, I got prospect currency. I'm looking to do it. Braden Schneider. Is he a sacred cow with the Rangers and using LA? Cause you talked about LA. I asked Dennis Bernstein and he's led to believe he's our Mr. La La land for Sirius XM, the Quinton Byfield and Brant Clark. And I know you like Clark, right? The defenseman. I love him. Are the sacred cows there that no chicken deal will include Byfield. If it's, if it's JT Miller and it's Lundquist, Schneider, and a first round pick, does Schneider become the sacred cow that the Rangers say no? The way you talked with your buddy Pierre Lacroix. Well, if Craig, 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 uh, if uh, I want Derek Morris, you're asking for Chris Drury, and that took a year. Well, we don't have a year, but it's a great story. If you missed it, it's back on. Just listen to all the episodes and you'll hear all the great stories, but uh, that's intriguing. Do organizations have the anxiety there of going oh we could get miller i i i could lose lundquist i could lose the first rounder but not Braden schneider or i want chikrin but not at the expense of a clark or a quinton byfield what's the teeter-totter effect of this discussion that's got to be going on right now right now in both situation rooms in all my years in all my years okay in all my years and i'm telling you it's, it's number of years now i keep tacking on these years 
Yeah. I've never heard. Oh yeah. I'll trade any one of my players. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. No, no, no. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, Brad Clark's totally available. I'm, I'm totally open. <laughs> yep, and always yep. like the manager starts. Whoa. Like I told you about the Pierre Lacroix store. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Chris jury. Like, you know, and so, you know, but, but, but I knew what I was prepared to do and I knew what I was prepared not to do. Okay. And then six months later, we ended up getting a deal because you know, Pierre really felt that uh, Derek Morris was somebody that would help his team. And I was consistent and he asked, but what you think Rob Blake's going to go and say, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we have no sacred cows. Couldn't buy that, that doesn't help your negotiating position in a trade. So like you want to know, so you've heard me say this time and time again, don't start with a position of no or sacred cows. Don't start with that. What does it mean? Here's what they're asking. Here's what they're doing. You know, I, I was I was in Cal. If you can believe this, if you can believe this, and and, and I, I want. I, do you have a seatbelt on that chair at home? No seatbelts. Okay. Yeah. Geez, I wish you had a harness. It's a 1973 chair. It didn't come with a seatbelt. I I was talking to Anaheim about Jordan Leopold. Okay. They had phoned me, and they had asked me about Andre Nazarov, and. Uh, uh, so I, I, like, I was zeroed in on Jordan Leopold, zeroed in on him. Yeah. And so we're there line. So, so I, I go and sit down with our people. I sit down with our guys and they go, Oh, we can't trade Nazaroff. And I'm like, I'm sitting there myself going, what? What do you mean can't trade Nazaroff? Yeah. Like, so I went through it, talked to them. Here's what Jordan Leopold is. Here's where he's at. Blah, blah. We can't trade under Nazaroff. Can't trade. Can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do that. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I go like, Oh my God. Like, do you even know what Andre Nazarov is? And do you, do you even know what we're getting? It, it was a light bulb to go on about overvaluating your own players, overvaluing your own players, and under and underestimating what other players' potential is. Anyway, I made the trade. It wasn't well-received within our group. They didn't like that I did it. Right. <laughs> Just think about that. Just think about – so, like – like I'm sitting there going, we can't trade on to Nazarov. We, we traded Jerome McGinley. <laughs> like, I'm not saying we're trading Jerome McGinley for somebody like it, it's all in the consideration of, of what the conversation is about. Like Steve, you're not going to go buy a $30,000 car. That's worth $15,000, but you might be really willing to go spend a lot on a $30,000 car. That's worth 35,000 or might be worth 40 in a couple of years time. I'm just an antique car or something. Bottom line is like, I always say this, don't start with no, open your mind. If I'm getting Jacob Chikrin, Jacob Chikrin, I, I, I like, I might have to say, okay, it's, it's one or the other. Who do we want? Do we want to keep Byfield or Clark? If, if it came down to that. I start to look at, okay, here's what our team looks like with Quentin Byfield without Brant Clark. Here's what our team looks like with Brant Clark without Quentin Byfield. Now you have that conversation. What else is there? What about our players? Why does no come into the equation? Well, inside the situation rooms, you just told us a story of no. I was assuming most of the time the no's come from the outside white noise about, no, you can't trade Byfield. But in these rooms, people who drafted those players or were part of developing them fall in love with them. And I think the, the theory you're bringing up and the, and the situation that's you got to let go is over-loving, over-valuing your own player, especially when you can trade the car that maybe one day was worth 30000 that's now twenty. 
and will be worth 15 in a few years to get something that is on the way up. And that's how you win trades. That's how you win games. That's how you win cups by being able to see what's out there. That's better than what you have internally and make the swap. And that's player evaluation. That's pro scouting and knowing, you know, yeah, at the amateur and side, amateur scouting and amateur scouting, yeah. they go hand in hand, Steve, don't separate them. Yeah. And I was saying on the amateur side, we had this guy up here and we think he's plateaued and coming down. We're seeing it at the pro level. So now's our time to sell that stock in a creative way to make it look like, okay, let's make this deal. And that goes on all year long. It's just magnified right now because someone's going to make some deal that might not win them a cup, but someone's going to be the beneficiary of a player that, oh my God, look what he's able to do to us. And it might be a JT Miller. It might be a Jacob Chickering. Like the Kings are right. Like the Kings have a lot of, I look at Rob Link's younger prospect pool and I might be trading the, the Kaliev's now, right? To, before they get more ice time and we realize, well, maybe they're Rigo Fata. They're not as good as we thought. Who knows? And I think sometimes when you have so, like you said, you only have so many picks and prospects. Eventually you got to kind of make a move. Maybe this is the time for the Kings to make Kopitar's, you know, he's been in the league. He's a 2005 draft year. Deneau's come in, done a very good job. If they want Byfield to be the three, they've got a lot of these other players. Maybe now's the time to move the Turcotte, Kaliev. If the, if they want Gabe Velarde, like we're talking to, we're talking enough here for Jacob Chickren, I think, then your first round pick uh, for the teams that have one, that intrigues me. And I think Jacob Chickren, you would give him a V8 shot getting him out of Arizona. Like Jacob Chickren, he's answering the phone right now. Hello? Uh, mom, yeah, yeah. Hang on, mom. Call me back. Ding, hello? Oh, Craig Button. Hi, Craig. All right, yeah. Hey, Cooley. No, when the phone rings, he's going, please, this be the call. Unknown number, please. You know, what's the area code in LA? 718 or whatever. That's what I think he wants to have. Hi, Jacob. It's Rob Blake. Like, I think that he, he's young, Craig. He's had some injury issues. I think the guy that we've seen at times in the NHL and the guy that we saw, Oh, amateur scouting in the OHL. I think that that flower is ready to blossom into something really like Norris Trophy contender, main defenseman, all that kind of stuff. But he's got to get out. I, I And I think you like him the same way. I, I think he's got to get out. 24 years old, Steve. 24 years old. Just when defensemen are coming right into their prime. Right into their prime. That's Jacob Chicker. And... You know, I'm not telling you that teams are not saying no. Understand that, right? What I'm telling you is it's not the philosophy that I go in with. I am telling you that I think that's the wrong philosophy. This, you, you consider everything. You don't start with no. You say, okay, what does it mean? What does this mean? What do we have? What do we, you know, when I, I think I told this story when the, when the LA Kings were looking to acquire scoring in 2012. And they're in the mix. And, you know, they traded Jack Johnson for Jeff Carter. And I sat there and I said, geez, this is really peculiar. I remember saying to Gary Green, I said, Gary, I don't get it. Yeah, you, you know, I know they need scoring, but you just traded a really good defenseman. Jack Johnson at that point in his career was really good and solid. And they just traded Jack Johnson. But here's what I didn't know that Dean Lombardi and his staff did know. They had a young Slava Voinov ready to come up and play and come in and contribute. So when I talk about considering everything, right, and, you know, and, and, and how you work the deal and how, what you're doing to try to affect something positive for your team, it also means internally knowing what you have. And what does it mean? We're going to trade Jack. Do we really want to trade Jack? No. But we have this Slava Voinov. 
right? We have this guy. That's what I'm saying. Steve, you, trust me. Teams are saying, no, we can't do that. Oh, my Lord. What happens if we trade that guy? Oh, my Lord. What happens if we trade that guy? Like, you know, it goes on all the time. And I know it's true. Don't get me wrong. Sacred cows, I know they exist. I'm just giving you, there's no way I approach anything like that. I just don't. I just don't. And when you're talking about a 24-year-old defenseman with a great contract, with great promise, like, I, I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm considering, I'm putting my, I'm, I'm putting, I'm, I'm putting a lot of options on the table for me to consider, not just for them to consider, Hey, listen, let's not say no to this. So that's where I'm at. Do you think Claude Giroux is a good fit for the avalanche? I do because how can anybody, Steve say Claude Giroux wouldn't be a good fit for the avalanche? How could anybody say that he wouldn't be a good fit? You have McKinnon, you have Kadri. Now you have Giroux. Giroux can play right wing. He can play center. He can help your power play. I mean, it, it, it's a significant upgrade in skill. And he's a competitor. Like, how, how would anybody say that that's not a good fit? I, 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 I've said this. If I'm Bill Guerin, I'm all over Claude Giroux. I want, I want Claude Giroux on my team in Minnesota. Because I think that gives me a little, bit of a, a little bit of an opportunity to come closer to Colorado in my division. Claude Giroux, who would Claude Giroux not be a good fit for? St. Louis? Okay, if you want to say that. I, I, I'm I, just I, saying my, the three teams he would go to, so I'm thinking like My in the question order. is rhetorical, okay? <laughs> I don't think there's a team in the league that Claude Giroux wouldn't fit nicely on. Yes, and apparently those three, and then Florida's also been part of the mix too. So it's so much fun. The countdown to the How deadline is What if I stir this one up? Oh, 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 here we go. Listen up. Listen up. Attention shoppers. Go ahead. <laughs> what if you're Calgary? Would you trade Sean Monahan for Claude Giroux? Oh. Oh. Watson. Watson. I think <laughs> I might Watson because maybe now's the time to move off Monahan. Philly would do it. Claude's in there. Whatever happens in the offseason happens in the offseason. Sign Johnny Goudreau. Yep. I mean, Craig Conroy, Conroy, probably, the Craig Conroy was very confident. Adam Ruzicki has played very well. They have Jacob Pelletier in the minors playing well. Remember what I said about knowing your organization? I'm just, uh, listen, I'm just posing something. Well, I'm a big fan of Claude Giroux. And guess what, Craig? Ultimate Hockey Fans is a product. It's not a person or group of people. It's a must for every hockey basement. UltimateHockeyFans.com forward slash cool button pod. Check it out. Talk to our buddy, Paul, and that's our code for the discount, ultimatehockeyfans.com. You'll love what you see. I'm a fan of Claude Giroux. I love that it's time to move. I'd be excited if I was him. There's certain players, when the phone rings, I'm sure the stomach, you know that anxiety. Uh-oh, traded. I don't want to leave. I mentioned Jacob Chikorin. I think for Claude Giroux, it is time. If I'm him, I'm excited about the possibilities. Do you think it's going to be special? Like, are we going to have a special today? To Foley when it started all the way to the 21st and all the names that we mentioned. Well, maybe not Forsberg, maybe they'll keep them, but you know what I'm saying? Will it be a fun deadline 2022? Well, I mean, there's always anticipation, Steve. And, you know, at the end of it, you know, you know, there'll be some deals made before the deadline. There'll be, there will be deals made at the deadline, but, but all in all, I mean, you, you look at like, like where the teams are at, right? Like, so what's going to be examined to the nth degree is going to be, okay, how does this player, like, how does Jason Demers help this team? 
That's, I mean, that's ultimately where we get to, right? Like, I mean, you mean the, the Claude Giroux, the John Klingberg, Joel Pavelski, Phil, I mean, th- th- those are all going to take care of themselves, but, th- but ultimately it's going to come down to how does Ben Sherrod help this team be better, right? How does Jason Demers help? Oh, Mark Giordano. Oh boy. That's a pretty good move for that team. What do you think of that one? Right? Like, but that's what we're going to get, right? We're not going to get, you, you, you know, these block, we're not going to get a Jeff Carter for, for Jack Johnson trade. We're not getting one of those, you know, and, and, and part of the reason is because teams are capped out right now. They don't have the flexibility to, to add salary going forward. So the UFA market is the one that's being examined so very closely. Well, you know, I, I hope read, the, I forget. I, I, I read somebody's name on the uh, top 10, the top 10, uh, trade bait board. It was a defenseman. So Giordano was on it. Jason Demers was on it. There was another defenseman on it. And I just said, this is reflective of what's happening. A team is going to look to try to get some depth or upgrade their, their, their blue line. And this is the player. And this is why this player ends up in the top 10. That's why. My final thought is going to be on Nazem Kadri. I scored again last night. <laughs> and then the stat came up because I was watching the Colorado broadcast in the Really 16 games because McKinnon got hurt when he broke his nose on the hall head. So he's really missed because that was in the first period. And then they were down 3-1 in that game. They came back and won. And who set up the tying and winning goals? Nazem Kadri. So really they're 13-2-1 without Nate McKinnon. This is Nate McKinnon. And who has been the straw, Daryl Strawberry, that stirs the drink for the abs in McKinnon's absence? It's been Nazem Kadri. So I want to give him the love. I'm not saying he's going to win the heart. He's in a longer list conversation and he's been great. I'm happy for him. He's going to get his money in the offseason and maybe a Stanley Cup ring. But Nazem Kadri, think about that 12 2 and 1 plus the game McKinnon got hurt. 13 2 and 1 without McKinnon. Nazem Kadri. Oh, and he scored again last night. I got to give him some love because you know what? He deserves it, Craig. We've been giving him love all through the year. Hard trophy love. I mean, he, he, he's been fantastic. And, and, and you're right. So, again, I go back to, huh, would Claude Drew be a good fit in Colorado? Hmm, I don't know, Steve. Would a would million dollars look good in my pocket? Yeah, it would. Anyway, uh, the, the player I was thinking about was Colin Miller. Colin Miller. Like, but that's he's a UFA. He's a right-shot defenseman. So that's how he ends up. So my final thought is the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets confound me, Steve. You know what? There's days I wake up and my hair's curlier than it was than the, than the night I went to bed before. Because I look at the Winnipeg Jets and I look, Connor Hellebuck, a, a blue line that's got some balance, three centers that I love, skill on the wings, and I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. But I think I have figured it out. Oh. Tell me. They need an upgrade in coaching. Now, that doesn't mean a coach. That doesn't mean that, that you're looking. I don't think, I, I, I think they create a lot of their own problems. I think they have to, uh, that when, so when I say upgrade in coaching, it, it might be an individual or individuals, and I'm not here, right? D- different ideas to come in and, and to look at it differently, right? And, and, and the way they play. I, I, I decided I hate the way they play. I think that they are the architect of their own problems. I agree. Go look at the Kyle Connor play. Worried more about scoring than getting the puck out first as one example. So many times giving up middle ice and being easy to play against. They're so good at being the second player on the puck. 
that's not good enough. So, so skilled, but always on the wrong end of the 2-1, the 3-2, the overtime game. Good enough to be down 4-2 in Vegas and win that game 5-4, but not good enough to be up enough times and take the lead into the third and seal the deal, even with that goalie, even with Shifley and Connor and Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cop and Lowry, and it's still not good enough. The good thing would be then they can keep a lot of those players moving forward if they can get the right coaching staff using your analogy. Cause then I've got the foundation and I need the coach. You imagine if you had the coach, but didn't have the players. Now I got a lot of work to do. So this team is too good to be this frustrating for you, for me and for Jets fans. The good news is they've got a foundation. The bad news is Craig, they're not making the playoffs this year. I'm with you, my friend. I'm with you, my friend. And you know what? We've written off the uh, Winnipeg Jets. We've ended their season. And we're going to end episode 42 on the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. Monday, we're going to bring you 43. Who wears 43, Steve? Used to be Kadri, but not anymore. 91. <laughs>